suspended from a ten-metre rope as casually as if he were sitting on a swing, Luke Searle stabbed his crampons into the crevasse's glassy wall. He removed his XL-sized inner and outer gloves and ran his fingers across a striking stain in the ice. It felt as smooth as polished granite. With the care of a diamond cutter, Luke used the blade of his ice axe to chip away a tiny piece. He rolled it between his warm fingers. The ice melted slowly, releasing its gritty contents. During all his years studying ice, he had never seen anything quite like this. Engrossed by his discovery, he ignored the barely audible voice coming from the two-way radio strapped across his chest. Not only was Luke abseiling in an unknown and potentially unstable crevasse, he was alone and had not bothered to alert anyone at Hope Station to his whereabouts. Above Luke, the ice walls shone a milky, opalescent white. Below, the ice morphed from the palest sapphire blue to dark titanium. Here, the sun penetrated for the briefest of glimpses, and then only at the height of summer. In front of him, a horizontal black line as thick as his arm ran through the ice like the licorice in an all-sort. A circle of ice crystals clung to his balaclava's mouth-slit and to the tips of his eyelashes as the moisture in his breath froze. This was Luke's first day off in three months. His research into accelerated glacial flow was complete, his report submitted, but his love affair with ice didn't stop simply because his project was over. Antarctica would soon be plunged into six months of darkness. Before that happened, Luke wanted to investigate his theory that a subglacial volcano had erupted 2,000 years ago, dropping a layer of ash onto the ice that, over time, had been buried. Medic! Ten! You read? His station leader called through the radio, every few words missing. Her persistence worried him. It might be something urgent. Luke scraped some frozen ash into a sample bag, sealed it, and then ascended rapidly to the surface to improve his radio's reception. Luke, this is Maddie on Channel 10. Do you read? Over! Luke crawled over the lip of the crevasse and away from the fragile edge. Still on all fours, he pulled the radio close to his mouth. Maddie, Luke here. Receive you loud and clear. Luke, I know this is your day off, but Mac's having problems with his snowmobile and might need you to go out there and fix it. Everything's packed into the trailer, but the clutch is slipping. Over. The overwintering team was small, so each member had to be multi-skilled, and Luke's other role was station mechanic. He checked his watch. 0919. No worries, Meddy. I'll give him a yell now. Thanks, Luke. And by the way, it would be helpful if we knew where you were. She sighed. Inside the entrance to Hope Station hung a chess-like board covered by small hooks. On every hook hung a plastic tag bearing a station member's name. When someone left or returned to the station, they had to turn their tag. There was also a book in which they were to record their name, time of departure, destination and intended time of return. Luke had done neither. Maddy, I can look after myself. As if to reinforce this point, Luke rose to his full height of six foot three. 
I know you can, but I need you to set an example. Roger that. Luke, I shouldn't be saying this on the radio, but has anyone told you what a pain in the ass you are? He smiled. Yes, you have, several times. Oh, and my ex, and my previous boss too, now that you mention it. Yeah, well, at least I'm not the only station leader you pay no attention to. But we've got to work as a team here. Out. Luke stowed his abseiling gear with expert speed, slung his pack on his back and, having removed his crampons and secured them, slid his boots into his skis' bindings. Mac, this is Luke on Channel 10. Are you receiving? Over. He waited. Luke to Mac. Radio check, please. Nothing. <laughs>